welcome to episode number eight of Travels with Squeaky. Travels with Squeaky is a podcast for solo women RVers, campers, and van lifers. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. This week on the show, we have our guest, Dr. Brenda Eckert. Dr. Brenda is a sociologist, a financial coach, and a founder of the Gutsy Women Club. Dr. Brenda came on this week to talk to us about the challenges and the joys of working full-time on the road in an RV. All right, Dr. Brenda Eckert, thank you so much for being a guest on the Travels with Squeaky podcast. I am super excited to have you come on and talk about your your life journey into RVing and how you make it work for you full-time. Uh, For our listeners, Dr. Brenda is a sociologist, she is a financial coach, and she is the founder of the Gutsy Women Club. And I'm excited to hear about all those things, Uh, but let's start at the beginning with how you ended up in an RV and what brought you to RV travel. Wow, well, it's great to be here, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I... I'm, I'm just going to start by saying RVing was totally new to me. I'd never been in an RV. I never slept in an RV. I certainly never drove an RV. I'm in a uh, 32 foot uh, class C motorhome now, a lovely Winnebago. So, but this is a, a totally new lifestyle. And I got here pretty much because I had to absolutely make a change in my life. I had, uh, uh, you know, worked, worked the career, that career suddenly ended, uh, I started to work from home, building my financial coaching business. And at some point, I'm like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I, I I'm sitting in this big house, working from my dining room table, looking out at the same suburban street, I'm just dying here. Mm. Um, you know, put on a lot of weight, I was really depressed. And I thought back about the things that I really, really enjoyed and the things that I had missed. And, um, you know, the same themes kept coming back. I mean, one is travel. I've always loved mm. to travel and I, I miss that. The second thing is nature, you know, was, it's just like, that's where I belong. That's where I feel whole. That's what I need in my life. And then I like meeting people. So I began to think like, how can I do that? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on a house the house is paid off. I'm sitting on an asset. I'm a financial coach. I'm teaching other people how to be financially free so they can live their dream life. And I'm kind of miserable. Yeah. This <laughs> doesn't make sense. So RVing seemed like, um, you know, a possibility. And I walked into an RV um, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that. You know, I was like the minimalism, the tiny house mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, I could do this. I could do this. And so mm-hmm that's that's really what led me into into this because I just knew I couldn't I couldn't imagine if I had stayed you know a year from a year from then as if nothing had changed I just I just I was so unhappy Mm. and this I knew I could work from the road and I knew I, I I this was an opportunity you get them every so often in a lifetime. Yep. My kids grow up. My, you know, my elderly mom is in great shape. This is a window of opportunity, and I'm just going to jump through it. 
Awesome. So how long was it between that time you made that decision till the time you pulled the trigger and bought the RV and sold the house and, and hit the road? Well, it's uh, once I make a decision, I jump on it. So I really made that decision in October and I found the RV in November, but it was under contract and I didn't see anything else I liked. And then the contract fell through. So it became available in December, bought the RV, um, you know, had some work done on it, brought it back to a, a local campground two months later, and then COVID. Oh, yes, so, COVID. Yes, so that was, you know, February, March, the house went on the market in January. And usually the houses fly off. I was in Williamsburg, Virginia, and it's like, okay, everything just stopped. Everything ground to a halt, you know, the campground shut down and mm-hmm. say, okay, now what do I do? Um, but the house sold uh, May 27th, and that's the day that I left. Awesome. So May 20th, it's been about 15 months. Okay, great. And so you, did you pretty much just take the work that you were already doing and bring it with you on the road? Uh, Sort of. I am a, I I have a sickness called creativity. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot shut my creative mind off. So, so many things evolved. I started with online courses to uh, help people reach financial freedom. Then I started the coaching along the way um, as I was out on the road and people knew I was here by myself. They, they're like, wow, that's really gutsy. And I'm like, you know what? I can help other women sort of take that risk and do something gutsy, do something for themselves, do something that's maybe not conventional. And so then the Gutsy Women Club emerged. Um, I, I love designing and creating. So I started to make designs, uh, t-shirt designs on mm. Amazon. And I just, um, I like to write. I like to uh, dabble in arts. I, I am, you know, the type of person that wakes up at two in the morning with this brainstorm and I have to do something about it. So the business naturally evolved, I think, um, um, just because there's, there's so many, that's the way my mind works. It's just, um, I mean, my business coach said, oh, start a YouTube channel. So I started Gutsy Living. I mean, my first response was, are you kidding me? I don't want a YouTube channel. Uh-huh. And, and now I kind of enjoy it. Now I've, I see the same people coming back. They feel like my friends. Um, and so, um, you know, you have to kind of grab onto some of the social media things that, Nah, I was really reluctant to do so at first. Okay. Yeah. So I took a look at some of your videos. You have some financial videos on there. You do campground reviews, which I found really interesting. Um, and so what, how does the, uh, how does all the business aspect play into your social media? Um, well, I'm coming at you after 10 days at a campground near Glacier National Park, where I had no cell no Wi-Fi, no internet. Um, and I, and periodically that happens, you know, yeah. you can do the best of research, but then you get to that location and you might have to drive half a mile just to talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. So there are times like that where it has been incredibly frustrating. I, I, uh, my, uh, you know, so I want to do money Monday videos and mm-hmm. I just loaded mine up 
today right now because I'm, I'm, I've got Wi-Fi, but there, mm. you know, sometimes it's a Tuesday and I'm loading up a Money Monday video. And so that's, the technology is really the biggest challenge and um, getting to a point where you can try to balance it. I'm trying to work ahead, just like, you know, you've got your podcast and you right. ultimately, you know, you'd like to load it up so that you're not stuck to uh, your office, your desk at a certain time. So um, the technology is the difficult, is a difficult part. The other thing I'm starting to change my business model. So um, because I'm on the road and I'm traveling, I like to stay places 10 to 14 days, but sometimes it's less. And so I'm about to change my business model from having an introductory coaching session to doing group work workshops mm. so that I can schedule them. I know, I, I know I'm going to be in a location this weekend, you know, at, at, and I'm going to have good Wi-Fi. So I'm just going to schedule a workshop for that weekend, uh, pretty much uh, financial freedom for women workshops. And there's, you try to reach a balance between what, you know, we're out on the road because there's so much to see. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is feel like I'm tied to my RV and to my laptop, to my, you know, to my internet. Right. So trying to carve out that type of a balance and maybe using a different model that works for you, even though it's again, maybe not what others are doing. Um, you know, I'll try it and see how that, see how that works, but it is, it, it is, it does force you to sort of think outside the box. How do you, how do you get to continue having this fantastic life and seeing, you know, hiking mm -hmm. in glacier and seeing all this wonderful stuff, but then still, you know, having time for clients and, and building that business. Right. Okay. Um, so you talked a little bit about the challenges of technology. And one of the biggest questions that I get is, how to stay connected on the road. So what, what, what do you use? What sure, tools I, do you use to stay connected? Right, right. When I um, purchased my um, RV, it's a, it's a 2012, so it's, it's, it's used. Uh, but there was this deal that was run by, a, a, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Togo or Togo, yeah. part, of, part of WineGuard. So there's a device on top of my RV and at that time, they had this incredible deal. One year, like 360 bucks, unlimited data, mm. unlimited, mm. you know? So I'm like, okay, sign me up. And that was with AT&T. Okay. So of course, that deal ended. And now, um, now I've switched to Cricket, which is a subsidiary of AT&T. It's, 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 again, a data-only device. So I have that on my on my RV rooftop, mm -hmm. and then my phone is uh, uh, Verizon. It's actually visible, which is a subsidiary of Verizon. So between Verizon and AT and T, I'm covered most places. If I can't get the AT and T, I can use my phone as a hotspot. That's the best I can do. I certainly have learned that when a campground says it has Wi-Fi pretend it's 1989 and it's a 2400 dial-up yeah yeah because, nope that can't you, 
that is, if that's part of your business plan, throw it out. Yeah. Okay. Good to hear. I've, I've learned that as well. Um, and so, so you're just, do you have a cell phone booster or anything like that to boost the signal or? I have a cell phone booster, quite honestly. Um, uh, it's, I'm not happy with it. So uh, if I'm near a cell tower, I've got reception that cell phone boosters doesn't seem to be helping me. So um, I've not been happy with that. When there's service, that booster is not going to help you. If I can get from two to three bars, that might be good. But most of the time, it's just, it, it's not been helping me. So it's interesting, uh, Brenda, right now, as we're talking about cell phone signal, you're, you are kind of going in and out. Um, so I don't know if this is one of the biggest challenges, but that was one of my questions for you. What are some of the biggest challenges of working from an RV? It, it is absolutely the, the um, technology. And then there, there is, um, you know, my schedule is not consistent mm -hmm. and so much of what I do out here is weather driven. You know, if it's raining, I'm, I'm totally happy being in front of the laptop doing my work. That's great. If I could schedule everything for the rain and the snow, you know, that would be great, but, um, that's not the way businesses work. So trying to find, um, um, you know, set up days where, you know, you're like travel days are very difficult. Mm -hmm. So if I'm traveling, my calendar typically has me out of the office all day. Okay. You just don't know what's going to happen on a travel day. That's um, true. So, so you've got to be flexible. Things are going to happen, but trying to, um, and, and the people who know me, who follow me, um, I think they understand that there are going to be, um, things are not going to be perfect all the time. So hopefully they give me a little bit of leeway. Yes, exactly. Um, so what, are, so we talked about the travel part of it. What, what are the biggest rewards of, of working from the road? We talked about some of the challenges, but what are the rewards? Oh, you know, just the reward of being out on the road, being able to go hike for two or three hours in the morning and then get to your, your, your workplace. Um, I, uh, this experience, it's, it's almost difficult to talk about because the experience has really been one of finding joy in my life. Mm. Um, I mean, something I had not anticipated and, um, you know, when I'm, I'm hiking or, or seeing, I mean, seeing some incredible landscape in front of me, it, I mean, I think it carries over into my business. It carries over into my positive attitude. It carries over into the way I look, you know, uh, physically I've, I've lost a lot of weight and mm. there's just, I think I've lost a few wrinkles along the way. So <laughs> it just, it, you know, I, I think it, it makes the business more appealing for people because now they're seeing, you know, what I'm doing 
and they want some of that for themselves. Yeah. Okay. And so how many hours do you, do you work in a typical day or week? Maybe I should phrase it that way. Um, I don't count quite honestly. Um, it, there can be, uh, my work style is I work until I burn out. So I, I, I get these creative places where I'm just, you know, doing a lot of work, mostly in the evening, um, but, but working pretty long hours, pretty intense stuff. And then I'll hit a point where it's just like, oh, I can't work anymore. I've got mm-hmm. to take three days off and crash. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not, um, not a lot of consistency there. And, um, you know, sometimes you just have to, when you feel creative, you sit down and you write and, mm-hmm. and create stuff. And a lot of this, everything that I do doesn't really feel like work to me. Mm. Um, so even just, you know, doing a YouTube video that, that feels like I'm just gathering some information condensing it in a certain way and talking to my friends okay. um, going on to Canva and designing a, a t-shirt or a graphic. That's not work to me. Mm. Writing a short story. It's something I've, I've returned to because I missed it and I just love doing that. So I started to add short stories that I read um, onto my YouTube channel. All of it is really a passion Mm-hmm. which um, can, you know, the downside is if I were more focused on, on one particular thing, I could probably have a, uh, you know, a, a business that does a little better, but that's kind of not the way I work. So the whole benefit of getting out on the road is to be able to do it different, to be able to do it the way that you want to do it. Right. Well, it is. And, and honestly, um, if I were dependent on having to produce a certain amount of money every month, I would probably end up doing this differently and I would probably not enjoy it as much. The fact that I teach financial freedom is partly because I built financial freedom. So uh, financially, I have a leeway. Um, My expenses are not great, but I... I'm not, I'm not like a set where I have to produce X amount of dollars every month. So um, I have flexibility that a lot of other people don't have. Oh yeah. That's, that's good to acknowledge. Absolutely. And, and that's great for you and put you in a great position to be that financial coach for other people who want to get to this position as well. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody, uh, maybe someone like me, who is part-time on the road and wants to get on the road full-time and either start a business or take their current work with them? What's some advice that you would give somebody in that situation? Well, um, absolutely. Think about the technology. What are mm-hmm. you doing that uh, requires the technology? You know, can you get the technology going? Almost every job now that you're doing on the road requires technology. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the second thing is I think about your space. So one of the things I did is I ripped out the dinette and I turned it into a home office. 
Mm. So, you know, you want, you want to create some comfortable space. Um, and, you know, I, I even got the size of the rig so that I had like a separate sofa so that it's not just the bed and the workplace, it's the bed, the workplace and the separate sitting area. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so the space is definitely there. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's partly about being innovative, allowing yourself to try different things and it's okay to create a different model you know what you had in the house you may need to adapt you probably will um but certainly if you can prioritize the lifestyle that you envision mm -hmm. and get your work to work around it that is ideal and for people who don't have um a business but they want one I really was something that I've I, I love our side hustles right and that's something that I actually have um a free resource um I can send it to you later but it's called a side hustle navigator and it's you know, you, listening to some of the side hustle podcasts coming up with ideas trying different things seeing what works and, and seeing what what doesn't work and it has been pretty fascinating when you see how people are making different businesses on the road. Um, one campground, I know um, I met a couple and he goes to works um, with you know natural disasters. He comes in afterward with the insurance mm. stuff. And she's got um, like a 3D printer and has started this business and sells things on Etsy. Okay. So you see people creating different things um and um, um there's really no no limit to what it what the possibilities are um niche down i think the more that you niche down the and provide good service and provide a good product the better off you are so um if you're competing against you know the giant corporations and all these folks, you're, you're not going to have a chance, but if you can niche down to, um, you know, a group that you connect with, um, you'll do better. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Great advice. And, and yeah, I do definitely listen to a lot of the, uh, side hustle podcasts that are out there and I've got a couple little side hustles going myself. Um, so, and, and gig work too. The gig economy is, is really helpful for people who are, nomadic certain types of work. So that's, that's great advice. Thank you for that advice. Um, so I don't know if I, I can't remember if I asked this or not, but for you, what are the biggest rewards of being on the road and working from the road? Um, more of a lifestyle balance. Absolutely. I mean, when I think about the work that I used to do and I you know I had a very high level career it was um, um, you know a lot of stress but um, it, it that was how quite honestly that was how I identified myself mm -hmm. I identified myself through my career so when that career ended trying to figure out well what am I now um, it evolved into not that what I do is just what I do. It's not who I am. 
And so one of the rewards I really feel is finding my true identity, you know, recovering that sense of joy and excitement that I had as a kid, you know, when you, you get up and it's like you see a new place and there's a new adventure. Yeah. Um, it, it's that type of experience. And, you know, in the campground, nobody asks me what I do. Uh, right. You know, you think about the real world, you go to a, a dinner party or something. And the first thing people say is, well, what do you do? And what they mean is, you know, what's your job? What are you mm-hmm. doing? Maybe it's worth talking to you. Maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. Campground, it's, uh, hey, where you been? Where are you from? Where are you going to? What's the neatest thing you saw? And you you remove that that false identity that we have as a little worker bee. And you restore that identity that we have as, you know, I'm a nomad. I'm I'm out here. I am an adventurer. I am an explorer. I am a, you know, a crazy solo woman just out here on my own, gaining confidence and doing what I want to do and making myself happy and the world a little bit better. Oh, I love that answer. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. So speaking about being out there as a solo woman, um, have you run into any challenges as a solo woman out there full time on the road? Um, I think the challenges have been just mostly when I was getting started and trying to figure out, you know, how to hitch and unhitch. And nobody really taught me anything about where, you know, where everything was. I got to walk through of the RV and that was it. So I remember my first week out and um, um, I lost power. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm at this campground. It's my first campground and it's hot. The AC goes out, everything goes out. And mm. I'm like, well, now what? Mm. <laughs> you know, I say, like, okay, I'm sure there's, you know, what do I do? So I walked to the campground host. I'm like, okay, I, I got to win a bagel. You got to win a bagel. I think I need to just, you know, switch the circuit, find the circuit box. I don't know where the circuit box is. Mm. And um, um, it took him, I mean, it took both of us like half an hour to find the circuit box. So it's like, now I understand what 30 amps means. It means I get the AC or the convection oven, but I don't get them both at the same time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All those little things that you have to learn on your own. Um, I do want to address one thing, though, because I think in I, I try to stay at state parks, state national parks, mm-hmm. but I know that there's a lot of concern for safety. And I can say in all of this time, I have never once felt that I was not in a safe situation. Not once. OK. Yeah, that's great. And, and do you boondock at all? Or are you mostly staying in developed campgrounds? I found out that I am the suckiest boondocker ever. <laughs> That's a good thing to know about yourself. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I just uh, had issues with the generator and uh, the lack of internet. And and uh, I, I, I just, uh, it's not my thing. I really like to have power. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, especially if you're trying to get work done and you need that air conditioning running now, this time of year, especially. Right. Well, I also travel with three cats. And, uh, you know, if I'm hot and uncomfortable, that's one thing, but um, I want to make sure they're okay. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about some of the challenges when you first started out. Uh, was there one big mistake that you made uh, that you had to learn from, whether related to RVing or even or related to doing business on the road? Oh, gosh. I mean, I've made mistakes in terms of selecting the wrong campground in terms of um, getting the technology, you know. Mm. Um, I've had things on the road happen. I, I Brenda, what resources do you use to ensure that the places you're going have good cell phone signals? Oh, right. So one of the things I do is, um, and I'm glad you asked that because... These days, you have to plan so far ahead. So I use RV Trip Wizard, and my calendar is filled with, you know, little little uh, notices of, okay, I can get, this is the date that I can reserve a campground in uh, California. This is the day I can reserve one in Florida. So I have that all set up, but RV Trip Wizard also allows me to go to, um, it has campground reviews. Mm-hmm. And so I will look there and it typically tells me if there's an AT&T and or Verizon signal. Okay. It's not perfect. Um, mm-hmm. um, there are some places where I would have liked to have stayed where I'm, I didn't because there was just nothing around. Or, um, the last place, for instance, um, I was not, uh, I mean, I could have been a, a half a mile somewhere else and probably gotten cell. I, it was just one of those, I could, I had great cell service in a kayak in the middle of the lake, but yeah, <laughs> it's a hard to do business that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I want to get back to if there was a mistake that you're getting at, sorry, I interrupted to ask you about um, how you find, find, find cell service. Yeah, I don't, um, I guess, you know, the, the time that I felt most, I guess, uh, in a precarious situation was I got caught in Texas in that horrible February weather where everything oh, shut down. The ice storms? Yeah, yep, the, the storms. And that was, that was scary. Um, mm-hmm. I winter at South Padre Island. And I, I like, okay, well, it's mid-February. It's time to get on the road. Um, I got so freaking lucky. Um, I was at a state park, which is, I think, probably one of the few that did not lose any power. Wow, but okay. even then, you know, the propane was running out. And, and so if I did make a mistake, I feel like, um, I mean, this next time I'm staying an extra month. So my mistake was moving north I, too early in the year. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think a lot of this is just beginner's mistakes um, and trying to, um, I, I, I find that I do like to move around a lot. So three months in one place is a little tough for me to do, but I'm going yeah. to do this. Next how, long, how long do you typically stay somewhere? Um, uh, at least a week, uh, more towards 14 days, depending on where it is. The first summer, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go here, 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 here. And I didn't realize 
how much effort it took to set up camp, take down, you know, take down camp, get your vehicle ready to go drive. And so I was really exhausted after the first two or three months on the road. Okay. So since then that, that you know, so, so that is one of the things that I, I did learn. Um, I prefer to slow down a bit. That's a lesson I've heard people talk about over and over again. Now you, in addition to your RV, you also tow a vehicle. Is that correct? I do. I tow a Jeep. And so how did you decide that that was the setup that you wanted for your travels? Uh, <laughs> I think I'm probably like a lot of newbies who wanted something small. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get like a van, uh, you know, something where I can, I don't have to tow a vehicle because it scared me I'm like you know I don't know that I can do this that's so that's a big responsibility now I instead of 32 feet I got 50 feet you know this is this is really big so I actually put it off and I didn't didn't really but this was not like my first choice then I started to look at RVs and I'm like you know what I'm living in the RV it's not like this is a weekend or a summer thing Mm -hmm. I'm going to get something with the, um, the, you know, the size that I need. And it's like, okay, I found the RV. Now what, you know, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm at a campground. I can't get in and out with, you know, I'm not going to be driving a 32 foot RV in downtown uh, San Diego. You know, it's just right. not going to happen. Yeah. So I had a lovely Honda HRV, which I love. But it didn't, uh, it didn't flat tow. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to trade it in. A Jeep is easy to set up. Um, um, now, when I had things done with the RV, I insisted. I said, look, you know, if I'm going to pay a little bit extra to get something that I can take care of all by myself, you know, I'd rather do that. I mean, don't. Um, so, I feel, so it's been really easy to hitch up. Okay. Uh, hitch and on hitch. A lot easier than I thought. I have this Blue Ox towing system. And between that and the Jeep, I've not had any issues. Um, although I have had to learn, um, you know, pick your gas stations. It, it's frightening when, you, hit, when yeah. you pick the wrong gas station and you're just about, you say, oh my God, can I get out of this thing now? Yeah. Okay. So I've learned that too. It's like, all right. Yeah. So everything uh, is figure outable, right? Like even if Absolutely. you find yourself in a precarious situation at a tight gas station, you just ask for help to get out or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, the other thing is, it's always you know it's, you've got so many new people out here on the road just ask for help nobody's judging you nobody really cares I've had people come ask me for help which mm. has been you know interesting I've after you know month two I actually had an older gentleman who was watching me hitch up my jeep and he's and he came over and he said you look like you know what you're doing can I ask you something <laughs> I'm like sure and I was able to help him out. But I guess after two months, I looked like I knew what I was doing. You probably did. You had that, that road look to you that we all get that shine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That swagger we put on. 
Were there, have you had any surprises? Something that happened that you didn't expect? <laughs> well, the first thing that popped into my mind is I was charged by a bison. So I <gasps> wow. I certainly didn't expect that. Um, that, that in- was, yeah, I was in Texas at oh. uh, Cap- Capra Canyon State Park where they actually have... Uh, um, a local rancher saved like the uh, one of the original native bison herds mm. um, and so they're you know they come into the campground you get kind of used to them and but I was hiking and um, uh, rounded a bend and I'm usually looking down because I'm scared to death of snakes so I'm looking <laughs> for rattlesnakes and all of a sudden there was a bison Oh God! The path ahead of me. So that was certainly a surprise. But oh. I told somebody, I said, you know, it's like every week is Christmas out here. Mm. I around a bend, I see a new scene, and I'm I'm in the RV by myself, and I'm like, I'm talking to myself, like, oh my God, holy cow, wow! And it's like I'm opening up a new package every week. I'm on the road. Yeah. Now, as a solo woman out there, do you ever feel like, oh, I wish I could share this with someone? I wish I had somebody to share Christmas with. It's there are times when I am certainly lonely and I have reached out to different Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. I've made uh, friends on Facebook um, uh, at South Padre Island where I wintered last winter i met um some really neat people so i'm gonna go back there um um uh there are some women i've met periodically on the road and different campgrounds i have gotten very good at reaching out so they're there my first summer i spent some time in vermont for instance and i reached out through facebook various groups and i said hey you know is there anybody in this area um, and that has worked out really well. I mean, I've, you know, went hiking with different women. Uh, you know, somebody taught me how to do fly fishing, um, met up with another financial coach who was in Vermont. And I, uh, you've got to do that because I mm. think all of us feels very isolated at, at some point. Um, you do get very good, I think, at recognizing the rigs of other solo RVers, uh-huh. you know, so you walk around the campground and you see, a, you know, something that's a little bit more colorful, maybe a little smaller or a decal or something like, <laughs> hmm, I'm going to keep my eye on that side. I'll bet you that's another solo woman RVer. Yeah. And it's, and I've, you know, I've just walked up to, uh, to people and say, you know, introduce myself and chatted and, um, uh, I feel like I have to do that certain times when I do feel lonely. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, you can re- recognize each other out there and to just to step out, of, maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit. I don't know if you're an introvert or extrovert, but to step out a little bit to just say hello and start a conversation. People at campgrounds are usually really friendly. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, I, I think, you know, starting during COVID was not uh, representative, certainly, because, you know, we, everybody stayed in their own little, um, their, their own little nuclear unit. So that right. I think it was more difficult last year. 
Um, but yeah, you, it is everything that we do out here is sort of outside of our comfort zone anyway. Good and point. To me, Good point. That's that's when we grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate uh, everything you've said here, um, Brenda. Um, I think that's probably a good point to sort of conclude our interview. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you did want to get get out? I, I'd, I'd like to really just mention th- uh, aging, you know, because oh, okay. people talk about women talk about, well, I'm too old to do this or I mean, you know, and I've seen women out, out here. Um, I mean, one woman was in her early seventies and I, and I would have guessed she was like 45. I mm. mean, it's almost like, this is like the reverse aging. I and feel may, younger. May, may I ask how old you are? Ah, yes. I pretty sure I'm 57. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, you do see women out here solo of all different ages. And I just want to encourage women that um you know you can do it you can do it it's don't use age as um um, i guess maybe a cop out Mm -hmm. i feel younger and more alive than i ever have awesome thank you for saying that that's great so um brenda where can people find you we mentioned uh your youtube and some of these coaching programs that you have what's the best place for people to find you um probably uh, well, YouTube, I've got my channel is called Gutsy Living. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of redoing my coaching website, but it's Dr. Brenda Money Coach. Okay. And then, of course, I have Gutsy Women Club at gutsywomen.club. Okay. Um, so it's I'm pretty easy to find. And with my unique last name, uh, there aren't many of us. Well, I want to thank... Dr. Brenda, for being a guest on Travels with Squeaky. It was really great chatting with her uh, this week. Uh, Some of my takeaways. Number one, if you're thinking about working on the road, your biggest challenge is probably going to be technology. But number two, your biggest reward is going to be finding joy. Like she said, it's like Christmas every week. Number three, to make sure that you create a separate workspace within your RV think outside the box. Her biggest lesson was slow down. It's not a race. And number five, go talk to people, look for other solo travelers and reach out to community if you get lonely. So I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Travels with Squeaky. You can find more content for solo women, RVers and campers over at travelswithsqueaky.com. And if you've liked what you heard today, please consider leaving a review, subscribing, sharing with a friend. It it really helps a lot and means a lot to us. And if you have a topic that you'd like us to see covered, you can email me at info at travelswithsqueaky.com. Our theme music is uh, Field Station by Nicole Patolsky. Be sure to support her. So until next time, I will see you next week or out there on the road.